0: Well, as you know, we've been talking about the disciple makers and our mission here at Church on the Rock and the vision of God that He's given us. Uh, And it all begins, it really, it all began, if you will, for the church, uh, really with the the Great Commission. And that's Matthew 28 uh, uh, 18 and 19 and 20. And though we've read it so many times and we've quoted it so many times, I want you to see it. I want you to embrace it because it's not just for the pastor. It's not just for the missionary. It's for all of God's people. It's for those who would consider themselves followers of Christ. And this is what he said. He said in verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And everybody say that last word. Amen. Let me just uh, let me just comment here just for a moment. Let me ask you this question. I think I asked it maybe last Sunday. I know on Wednesday night. How many of you, God has taught you some things? I mean, you've got some things under your belt. Come on now. Let me just see it. How many of you, God has has taken you to school and taught you some things about life and living? Okay? You know what Jesus said before he left? Those things that he taught you, that he commanded you, that he instructed you in. He says you you've got to take those to other people. You gotta take it to people and go with what God has given you and got what God has taught you and what God has done in your life. You gotta take it to the streets, if you will. You gotta take it to your neighbors. You gotta take it to all the world. Go in everybody say all the world. And it says, make disciples. Now, our mission statement here at Church on the Rock North that we've been kind of hammering home really encompasses, uh, this great commission call that all of us have. And it's fourfold. Let's read it together. We're called to gather. We're called to grow. We're called to give. And we're called to go. That really encompasses uh, the the great commission that he called us to g- gather together and grow together and give of ourselves, our time, our treasure, and our talents to give to the Lord for his eternal purposes in our life and to go into all the world. Some people say, well, I'm called to gather but and to grow, but that give and go, you lost me there. Uh, I'm telling you, when you gather together and you grow, it the, the natural result should be giving and going. Off the top of my head this morning, I want to just tell you a little something I had this thought that came to me. And that is this, you know, if people would become the church, you wouldn't have to try to get them to come to church. If we would become what God wants us to be, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning again, if we would become what He wants us to be, uh, and that is disciple-makers, and become the church. This is who He was speaking to, was the new church that He was get giving birth to. Uh, and, and He said, we have a responsibility uh, to go into all the world. If we would become we, uh, the church, we wouldn't have to, uh, you wouldn't have to get people to try to just come to church. They just come, be, because that's who I am. Amen. Look around you this morning and say, good to meet you today. God bless you. Glad to know a little bit of the church is here this morning. Amen. And so that's our mission statement, and it all comes forth from the Great Commission. And that Great Commission call, as we've just uh, rehearsed again and again, uh, it's the, it, it's the calling and the command of God to all Christians. Everybody say all Christians. To all Christians to do what? To make disciples. That's what we're speaking of, making disciples of all nations. Uh, and so a true disciple, as we've been talking about, is a dedicated and disciplined follower of Jesus, who has embraced the command and call of God to go and make Disciples. That's what a true disciple is. Someone who reproduces after like kind and makes disciples. Now, we've been talking about the fact that that discipleship is not just something for the few, but it is a lifestyle. Amen? It's a way of living. We looked at the way Jesus lived his life over the past few weeks, and we've learned that he made disciples by the way he lived his life. He didn't make disciples, you know, during the day and then go home and live another way uh, at night. He lived a life that was reproductive, that produced a harvest. So once again, what's a true disciple? Help me here, Ike. Here it is. It's a dedicated and disciplined follower of Jesus who has embraced the command and the call to make disciples. And that's who we are to be. That's why this series is called The Disciple Makers. Now, if you're in Matthew uh, chapter 28, go back to Matthew 5, 6, and 7 because we've been drawing from the Sermon on the Mount. Now, follow me here just for a moment. Jesus, in the beginning of His earthly ministry, uh, he, he was led by the Spirit where? into the wilderness to be tempted. And so he was victorious in that. He comes out of the wilderness and what happens with him there by the river Jordan, he and John the Baptist kind of meet up and what happens? He is baptized in the river Jordan. The Holy Spirit descended like a dove upon him. And that began really what we call his earthly ministry, three years of earthly ministry prior to his death, burial, and resurrection. How many of you know you can do a lot in a, in a few years if you just followed Christ? He made a huge impact. And so uh, in just three short years, and really when you read the Gospels, uh, you know, a lot of the Gospels is made up of the last week of the life of Christ. So we don't re- I mean, we have a little small glimpse into the life of Jesus and to his ministry and so and the beginning of his ministry he he sets down with his disciples while all the multitudes are are watching and he he begins to teach his disciples Matthew 5 6 and 7 while the multitudes were listening in how many of you know the world's watching us amen and and he begins to teach them and really the whole theme of this sermon on the mount is the lifestyle of a disciple That's what he's teaching there. And it's his first real recorded message, and he's teaching his disciples, this is how you got to live. Now, last Sunday, we looked at the Beatitudes, and I love this because Jesus, he begins with his disciples. He said, now, let me tell you guys, you know, I, you've been following me. Uh, I told you to follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. That's a disciple. He said, I'll, I'll turn you into fisher, from fishers of fish into fishers of men. And let me just tell you right off the bat, when he begins this, this message on the lifestyle, he said, blessed be blessed are everybody say blessed that's very happy blessed to be very happy and to be overwhelmed with with uh, peace and the joy of god in your life he begins his his ministry about the lifestyle of a disciple by saying this <coughs> basically if you'll just follow me and do what i want you to do you're going to live the blessed life You're going to be blessed in all that you do. How many of you want to be blessed in all that you do? You see, we try to, we tend to live life on our terms and expect God to bless us. I want to tell you, if you'll begin to live life on His terms and begin to follow Him, his blessings will come upon you and it won't be you trying to get him to bless you. Uh, he'll be tracking you down trying to bless you and just give everything he can to you and, 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 and cause you to be very happy. And then he jumps right in to this idea that I want to share with you this morning about the lifestyle of a disciple. And that is this, that it's a lifestyle of influence. Everyone say influence. Because here you go in verse 13. Notice what he says. I'm going to read you. Uh, it says, "Yeah, 13 through 16." You are. Everybody say, "I am." Look at your neighbor and say, "He's talking to you this morning." You are now. Who's he talking to? Remember the context. <clears throat> He's talking to his followers, his di- his disciples. Just those, the beginning core uh, of, his, uh, of the church that he was building a foundation uh, upon. And let me just throw this out. If you'll, if you'll pour your life into a few, God will give you much. If you'll just, uh, if you'll just invest your life into some folks that are willing to l- allow the word and the will of God to be made manifest in their life, you can make a big difference in the earth. Uh, and he said to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled under foot by men. And then he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let me just tell you, our lives ought to give light to everyone in the house. Everyone we come in contact with. And then he says, verse 16, and kind of builds on this thought of influence. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How many of you see the influence going on right there? That the way we live our life, And the identity of who we are as believers begins to invade and and impact the culture around us. Listen, we got a culture that needs transformation. Listen, we have the power over culture. We have the power over the world, the flesh, and the devil. And the way we live our life in this life has the power to make a huge difference in this world. Somebody say amen. amen. He says you are. And now, notice this. Here's his... His ragtag team, have you ever been a part of a ragtag team? Uh, in fact, if you, if you look at sports, a lot of times there, so there was some ragtag teams. I think of, I don't remember the year, but the U.S. had a, a ice hockey team that was the ragtag team and something got upon them and they ended up winning the gold medal and no one believed it, but it was a ragtag team and Jesus had him a ragtag team. I'm telling you, tax collectors, fishermen, kind of the just everyday folks and then uppity folks, all different kinds of folks and he gets them together and his first real recorded message and and this lifestyle of discipleship theme he tells them something about themselves he does not speak to them uh, about what they will one day be he says let me just declare it over you as disciples and follow you are the salt of the earth you are everybody say we are everybody say I am look at your neighbor and say you are and when you real, and these are two illustrations, these two illustrations really, and, and I love how Jesus teaches because, and, and I don't want to spend too much time on, on the illustration here, but you know, salt in that day was a preservative and, and you know, as the disciples, we are preserving, you know, the, you know, and, and keeping the decay of the world out and all those kind of things. And salt, uh, makes you thirsty and our, our lifestyle ought to make people thirsty for Christ and the light of the world. Those are illustrations. I love how Jesus does that. It gives us a good word picture. We can kind of see it. We can kind of understand it. Uh, and so he, he's an illustrative speaker, if you will. And they and really what he says to these first century disciples that he's transforming into disciple makers and fishers of men, he says, Let me just tell you who you are. Let me give you a new identity. <clears throat> you're not, you're not just fishermen. You're not just guys that I drug up somewhere. You're not just, you know, kind of people who didn't have anything else to do. Let me just tell you who you are in God's eyes and the plan of God for you. You are men of influence in the earth. And if you will be what I say you are, people will see it in your life by the way you live life. They'll see Jesus in you by how you live and move and have your being. And he goes on to say, if you'll be what I say you are. And if Jesus says we are, we are. And if he says we are, we ought to be. Are you with me? Say amen. I'll never forget. I think it was Charles Barkley when everybody was talking about, uh, 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 role models and uh, and and sports figures. I think it was Charles Barkley. He said, I'm not a role model. I'm not a role model. Don't look to me as a role model. You can't help it. How many of you know all of us are role models, whether we admit it or not, people are watching us. We just may be bad role models. And so he's telling his disciples, I don't know what you think you are, but let me tell you something. You're a people of influence. And if you will do your job, if you will be what I say you are, people will see your good works. It will be evident. And they will do what? They will glorify your Father in, in heaven. In other words, you'll be, be able to pass on to them what I have instilled within you. And how many of you know that's what the Great Commission is all about? Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And, lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. And so it's a it's a introductory statement, if you will, to these disciples about who they are. It's not you will one day be. He said, it's who you are right now. Now, interestingly enough, in both cases, salt and light, as soon as he said, you are the salt of the earth, then he comes with a strong warning about losing your flavor, or your savor. As soon as he says you're the light of the world, he, then he, then another warning, man, don't hide it under a bushel. In other words, listen to me, understand something about who you are. You can't set it aside. If you lose your savor or your flavor, you're good for nothing unless, uh, uh, unless uh, other than to be cast underfoot by men. He said, hey, so it was like a warning. Here's who you are, but warning, 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 listen carefully to me. Don't miss this about what I'm telling you about who you are. You're men and women of influence in the earth. Are you with me? Say amen. Now, with that in mind, I want to give you three thoughts about embracing your new identity as salt and light or embracing our new identity as people of influence, embracing our new identity as disciple makers, just some simple thoughts this morning to encourage you and hopefully empower you and, and, and inspire you to be what God says you are. Look at your neighbor one more time and tell him you are salt and light. Tell somebody, you are salt and light. That's who you are. This is who we are. This is what Jesus, let me tell you who you are. And if you want to make it personal, Jesus says, let me tell you who you are. This is what I, I have brought you here. This is why you're here today. In fact, put, put it in the context. The whole world, in a sense, was watching them. The multitudes were all around, and he's t- speaking to his disciples. And man, think about this—they weren't hidden away in a cave somewhere. He was looking at this ragtag team uh, of, of of disciples and followers. And in the in the in the context of the world looking upon, he said, "You are so, you're the men that I have put my hand upon to influence all these people that are here today." Wow! Somebody say, "Amen." So three simple thoughts this morning. Number one, embracing our identity as salt and light or embracing our identity as disciple makers or embracing our identity as, as people of influence. Number one, when we do, it empowers our capacity to influence people. Now that just almost goes without saying, but let verse 16 ring true again. He said, let your light so shine before men, that the evidence is before them that they can't miss it. They can't, uh, that when they see you, they see Christ. They, they see Jesus. Let your influence be so profound. In other words, when you just embrace the fact that I'm salt and light in the world today, and you begin to live like that, a person of influence in the earth. We'll talk about that more in a moment. But when you embrace that, this is who I am. This is the responsibility I have. Have. This is not what I'm trying to be. This is what Jesus said the church is. We are salt and we are light, but we cannot lose our savor, our flavor, and we cannot hide our life. This is who we are. You can deny it and put it down all you want, but it's time we let the cat out of the bag, if you will, and began to live a life that reflects who Jesus says we are you see i've said this before i'll say it again the church is god's plan a to reach this world for christ and you need to understand there's no plan b the church is god's plan a to reach the world for christ and there is no plan b and so jesus said you just got to let it loose because if you let it loose guess what there's an empowering that comes When you just let it shine, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to be what causes people to be thirsty for God. When's the last time somebody, after they hung around you for a little bit, said, man, you make me want to be a Christian. Who was it lived their life? Uh, King Agrippa, after listening to Paul's testimony and, and witnessing his life and his willingness to be persecuted and die, uh, uh, if necessary, for the cause of Christ, King Agrippa said, you almost persuade me to be a Christian. Your life, your influence is, is very persuasive. Amen. How many of you know, as role models, oh, I'm not a role model. Yes, you are. As role model. look at your neighbor and say, you're a role model. As role models, we have a responsibility to be the right kind of role model and cause people to want to follow Christ and to give their life to Christ. And so it empowers us. Embracing who you are empowers our capacity to influence more. It's like almost like the snowball effect. When you begin to just live like like Christ would have you live and you begin to be light and, and, and salt in the earth, there's a snowball effect that begins to take place. And one thing builds upon another. And that, how many of you know, that's what discipleship is all about. It's the snowball effect. Jesus took 12 and he just began to pour his life into 12. Now he ministered to the multitudes, but he was, he was, he was, fought, he was raising up 12 leaders. And one of them was a devil. How many of you know, not everybody's going to make it, but Hey, you got to find somebody and invest your life in them. And Jesus knew if they, they would get it, then there would be a snowball effect. Did you know you're here today because of the snowball effect of the first century disciples in the first century church amen it empowers our capacity to influence the world just embracing who we are number 2 and this will be a little more in depth when we embrace our identity as salt and light or as disciple makers it elevates our responsibility to influence the world. We we began to realize, ooh, I've got a greater level of responsibility in my life. You see, when you realize who you are, all of a sudden you will take responsibility. Let me show you verse 17 through uh, 20. Uh, d- let me read it. He said, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. Now follow this. He's talking to his disciples and their responsibility to be influenced. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does... Now, oh, here we go. Here here he is. He's talking about making disciples again. Whoever does and teaches men to do so. See that? Whoever therefore... What does he say? But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Did you see that? He's talking to his disciples. He said, "You know, let me tell you about the law. I came to fulfill the law, but let me tell you what your responsibility is. It's to be a role model to those who who that you're influencing. Him, now, the things that you that you've been taught, you teach them. You obey what I tell you, and you teach others also. Sounds a little bit like the Great Commission to me. How about you? Are you with me? Say Amen. And so." The responsibility becomes profound, and all of a sudden they begin to realize, "Oh, oh, wait a minute now, huh? Ooh, I thought we're just supposed to follow him and be good followers. All of a sudden, on his first message, his first rattle out of the box, the the lifestyle of a disciple, he starts telling me that I've got to, mm, <coughs> I've got to uh, make disciples myself." I thought I'm just following Jesus. No, your responsibility is go make more disciples. And all of a sudden, these disciples, uh, whether they caught it or not, the the responsibility began to, to grow in their life that God was looking to them. And then he says this phrase here. He says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, what does he say? you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, you've got a big responsibility to live a life that would exceed the religious, I'll say it, the religious lifestyle of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He said, you've got a big responsibility on your hands. You've got to do what I say do. You've got to teach what I say teach. In other words, if you as salt and light, here's how it plays out. Here's the, here, if you were wondering what I was talking about a few moments ago, when I said you're salt and light, let me kind of clarify for you. Let me kind of bring it to the, to, to the front here, that illustration about salt and light and being people of influence that are so influential that others would see Christ in you and see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Let me tell you how it plays out on a daily basis. You Obey what I teach you, and you go teach it to other people. That's how it plays out. That's how you become salt and light. That's the evidence of salt and light is is passing on what you've learned and, and raising up a new generation of disciple makers. I've said it this way in different ways over the years. I've said it this way. We've got to become people who know the way, people who go the way, and people who show the way. Everyone say know the way. You know, if you don't know the way, you can't go the way, and you certainly can't show the way. You got to know the way. This is the way the Bible says, "Go ye in it." You got to know the way, but then you got to be able to show the way and, and go the way, and 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 raise up a new generation of people to know the way, go the way, and show the way. This is the way. Go ye in it. Let me tell you something. There's a whole lot of folks in this world trying to tell somebody how to live life. I'm telling you, there's a lot of negative influence in the earth. We can't let the world world tell our children or our grandchildren or our children's children to the third and fourth generation which way they need to go. We need to be a voice in the darkness. We need to be a light in the darkness saying, this is the way. Go ye in it. Somebody say amen. And then, of course, we've been repeating this thought that God's raising up a generation of people who model and they mentor and they multiply. Everyone say model. In other words, I'm an example, mentor. Someone say mentor. Jesus talked to Paul and the disciples says, follow me as I follow Christ. Peter said, Paul said, we've got to be a mentor, raising up a new generation. And then as that happens, we can begin to multiply. Go and make disciples. And everybody said, amen. Now, when he said, go and do and teach others. He raised the level of how we live our life. In other words, it's not what we say, but what we do. Not only what we do, but how we share with others what we do. We embrace our identity. It elevates our responsibility. Somebody say, elevate. Elevate. In other words, it lifts it to another level. Uh, in fact, look what he says in verse twenty. He says this: "Unless your righteousness exceeds, in, uh, in other words, is raised to another level above the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll know by by no means uh, enter the kingdom of heaven." He was raising the bar of how they were going to live their life from here on out. Listen, I want to tell you something. If you're going to be a disciple maker, you got we got to raise the bar. And here's what Jesus was teaching them, and and then he. It's about, oh, oh, let me just say, one, two, three, four, five, six different topics. It's like a it's but it really is a big illustration. He's not just talking about six different topics. He's given a bigger picture here. And let me show it to you by way of these verses. When he says to his disciples, you got to you got to obey it and then you got to teach it to others. If you don't if you don't raise the bar of how you live your life and how you influence the world, let me show you where they're at and I'll tell you where you need to be. Here's where they are and I'm going to show you where you need to be. You got that Here's where they are. Let me show it to you. Verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. Okay, here you know what he's saying? Here's where they're at. Let me tell you where you need to be living. He says, but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a call shall be in danger of the judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, which is fool, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift. Therefore, before the altar and go your way, first be reconciled. Somebody say "Reconcile." What's he saying to him? He said, listen, this is where they're at. Let me tell you where you need to live. This is where you need to raise the bar of influence in in, in how you deal with others. This is where they are. It's time to raise the bar and become someone who knows how to be reconciled not only with God but with one another. This is the lifestyle of a disciple. And he says if your brother... In fact, have you ever had someone have something against you and you didn't understand why? That's what he's talking about. They got something against me. He says, if, he says, if you bring your gift to the altar and therefore remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, go your way, first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and bring and offer your gift. You know what he didn't say? He didn't say, if you have an odd against your brother, he said, if your brother has an odd against you, in other words, we are the proactive ones. Let me tell you where you live life. We're proactive in getting right with God and other people. Read Matthew 6 about forgiveness. And then he's verse 27. Look, look at it again. He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. This is where they are. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. This is where we've got to live. This is where they are. This is, see, he said, listen, people of influence, salt and light. People who obey the word of God and teach other you gotta live it out. You gotta raise the bar. Somebody say it's time we raise the bar we got to raise the bar with how we live. Look in verse 31. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And in, in Jesus' day and in these religious leaders' day, they had changed the Old Testament reading for their benefit so they could have a divorce without having a real reason for a divorce. Here's what Jesus is saying. And this is the bigger picture. He, he, yes, He's talking talking about reconciliation he's talking about lust he's talking about marriage and and divorce but here's what he's saying to his disciples in all these things that we are involved with the things that we face on a daily basis if you're going to follow me you got to raise the bar if you're going to be a person of influence that others can follow true salt and light you got to raise the bar with how you live life on planet earth are you with me say amen and he keeps on this, this. This understanding, verse 31, about divorce, and then verse 33, again, you have heard. In other words, this is the bigger point. You see the bigger point. If you get the bigger point, shake your heads out, am getting the bigger point. He's not just sporadically shotgun shooting a bunch of different topics. He's making a point about how disciples are to live their life. Again, you have heard that it was said to, of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven or by God's throne. Listen, what's he saying? Man, you got to live a lifestyle, a cut above with some capacity to have a righteous relationship and then a righteous way of communicating who you are and what God's word says in your life. And so he's just saying, you got to raise the bar. You see it? If you see it, say, I see it, pastor. And then he says it again. Verse 38. You have heard that it was said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you and from him who wants to borrow from you. Do not take it away. He's, he's talking about a lifestyle of impartation and giving and, 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 and loving and caring for others. And, and, and if somebody asks something, hey, give them your cloak also. It's just a righteous way to live life. He's saying, hey, listen, it's time we raise the bar. Tell somebody it's time we raise the bar. We've got to raise the bar with how we live our life. If we're going to be followers of Christ and men and women of influence, salt and light in the earth. He's saying you've got to raise the bar with how you live and how you move and have your being. Then finally, he gives one more illustration. He says, you have heard that it was said You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. In fact, how many of you know they said it, but that's not what it said. But I say to you, love your enemies... Bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, where He makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? What's he saying? you got to raise the bar. you got to lift it to another level. The responsibility of how we live life. How many, you know, how many of you know if we're going to be salt and light, we can't be like the world? We can't live like the world and influence the world to be the way we're supposed to be. And that's what Jesus is saying in all these illustrations. Yes, there's great truth about divorce. There's great truth about loving your enemies. There's great truth about reconciliation and about guarding your heart from immorality and having a uh, don't let the spirit of divorce into your heart and life. There's great uh, revelation here, but the big picture is, it's time we live the way Jesus would have us live if we're going to be salt and light. And his final one is, you've got to live a lifestyle of righteous compassion. And we raise the bar of influence. Listen to me. Not just in what we say, but how we live our life. And if we live our life like who we are, we are salt and light, people will see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. And we are people of influence. And the question may be that we all should ask ourselves, and how is that going in our life? how's the level of influence for the cause of Christ going well let me just give you one more thought this morning and that is this embracing our identity as salt and light as people of influence as disciple makers escalates the influence of his identity upon us read that with me out loud it escalates the influence of his identity upon us. Let me show you how he finishes this off. This little illustration that he's given about raising the bar. Remember verse 20. What did he say? Unless your righteousness exceeds the lifestyle and the righteousness of the religious people of the earth, you're by no means going to enter the kingdom of heaven. You got to raise the bar with how you live your life and that will be influential in the world around you. But look what he says here in... In, in verse, oh, down in verse 48, he says this, uh, therefore, in other words, when you see the therefore, you look back, see what the therefore was there for. Therefore, if you catch what I said about raising the bar of, of the way you live your life as people of influence, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. Somebody say perfect. Now, he's not talking about perfection. He's talking about being complete and whole. Everyone say complete and whole. Now, follow with me. Jesus said, this is who you are. You are what? You are. And that's people of influence, right? Everyone say it. You are. And you are. He didn't say you're going to hopefully will be. He said, you are, this is who you are. If you're a follower of me, if you're going to be a fisher of men, you are, this is who you are. This is who you, this is not what I hope you'll be. This is who you are. Now you can deny it and hide it under a bushel. You can, you can refuse it and you'll be good for nothing and be trampled underfoot by men. But this is who I say you are. And if you will embrace who you are as people of influence in the earth, as disciple makers, as salt and light, guess what? And this is spoken in future tense. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. Therefore, you shall be whole and complete and fulfilled just as your father in heaven is whole and complete and fulfilled. In other words, this is how you get where God wants you to be. And you will embrace his identity when you embrace this responsibility. And his identity Begins to be realizing. You know what people will begin to see when they see you? They see Jesus. They see the Father. And that, my friend, is true influence. Amen? When I come to the close of my life, and we all come to the close of our life... When we come to the close of our life and we stand before God, we all want to hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over the little things. Behold, I give you much. Let me tell you something. When I come to the close of my life, I want to hear that. And I want to know that I am whole and complete. That I finished the race that God has for me. That I stand before God as a representative of Christ and a person of influence in the earth. That I ran my race well and I was salt. And I was light. And I was, in fact, a disciple maker. And everybody said amen. Let me say this. We'll never be complete and whole. As disciple makers, we'll never be complete and whole until we embrace our new identity as disciple makers. Let's read this together. We'll never be complete and whole until we embrace our new God-given identity as disciple-makers. This is who we are. Let's stand together today. Father, we thank You today for the Word of the Lord. We thank You, Lord God, that You're raising up a new generation of disciples. And oh God, how we need disciples and disciple-makers. And as You said, Lord, in Your Word, that the leaders and people of influence are few. Lord, we just pray that You would raise up a new generation, even in this gathering, Lord, even in this group of followers, Lord, that we would become what You said we are. That in the world around us, the world's watching us, they've gathered together looking for evidence, something to see and validate the Word of the Lord in our life. Lord, may we be who You say we are. We are salt and light. I want us this morning, if You so desire just to lift Your hand and say, God, I thank You that I'm salt and light. Lord, I thank You that You've created me as a person of influence in the earth. Let my light so shine before men that they see the good works of God. They see the evidence and they glorify our Father in heaven. Lord, let us raise the bar of how we live our life. Lord, let us lift to another level today. Lift us to another level today. Lord, as we embrace our identity as salt and light, Lord, we think that it's going to empower our capacity. We think that it's going to elevate our responsibility. Lord, and we thank you, Lord God, that it's going to escalate our the influence of your character and nature into our lives. We thank You for it today. In Jesus' name. Now before we go, let's pray for the world around us. If you've got somebody close to you, take them by the hand. Lord, there are people in our life that need salt and light. Lord, we may be the only Jesus they ever meet. We may be only the only light they ever see. We may be the only salt that they ever taste. And so God, today, we pray for those around us that, Lord, we would live our life in such a way that they would see God in us. They would see the character and the nature of God in us. And Lord, our influence would go far and wide. I want somebody to pray that prayer because if we just get a few people whose influence go far and wide, Lord, let our influence go far and wide, Lord, throughout Southeast Texas and all over this nation and around the world to make a global God difference. In Jesus name, and everybody said amen.